0: This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is brought to you by Braintree. Even the best mobile app won't work without the right payments API. That's where the Braintree V.0 SDK comes in. One amazingly simple integration gives you every way to pay. But don't take our word for it. Try out the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash walt. This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is brought to you by Lenovo. Every day, rich new veins are created in the big data gold mine. Today, we generate more than 2.5 billion gigabytes of data each day in the form of 205 billion emails, 3.5 billion requests on Google, and 2.7 billion likes on Facebook. Most of that data is stored on nearly 5.5 million servers operated by just 16 companies. It's all that big data that business can use to improve products and gain a competitive advantage. Business today is like being in a game show lightning round. Answer the fastest and you win. So Lenovo is creating the next generation data center to help companies more efficiently mine data to uncover insights faster. That requires the ability to store massive amounts of data and the processing performance needed to analyze it. Lenovo server systems are number one in uptime and reliability with a proven track record of superior performance with the big names in data analytics. So learn more about how Lenovo is transforming the data center at www.lenovo.com slash data center. Hello and welcome to Control Alt Delete, the zero-rated podcast from The Verge. That intro actually comes from two people. Two people Whoa. sent us the same intro this week, which is, is amazing. One of them, and John Ledger. Yeah, one of them was not John much. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess up both of these names, but it's uh, Victor Escobedo, who is at datguacdo on Twitter, and Manadeep Polyreddy, who is at manidesto on Twitter. Two of the same zero-rated podcast. Great. Topical joke. We love your intros. Keep sending them. In any event, I'm Neil Patel. I'm the editor in chief of The Verge. I'm joined as always by my friend, Verge executive editor, editor at Larger Recode, Walter Mossberg. How's it going, Walt?
1: It's it's great. And uh, I think we should be zero rated on every platform, everywhere, Clearly. and every service. Look, if the world's going to be we unfair. You should never count against your data cap on any, yeah. any, anywhere.
0: Look, if the world's going to be unfair, it should be unfair in our favor. In obvious. our
1: favor, exactly. So get on Wasn't it. Wasn't that Trump's campaign slogan? I, I <laughs> in Our Favor. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. That's
0: great. If you ever write uh, a memoir, Walt, it should be called In Our Favor, The Walter Mossberg Story. Yeah. That's a good one. That, anyway. That's it's, a good title, yeah. Uh, we're going to have a good one this week. You wrote uh, a piece which I think we have been talking about for some time in sort of a diffuse way, um, which is that the balance between design and functionality— Seems to be tilted a little too far in favor of design. So I want to talk about that a bunch. There's also a rumor that <laughs> people are going to love this. <laughs> Samsung is getting rid of the headphone jack and next Galaxy <laughs> phone. Uh, I, I'm kind of interested. There was a, a hearing on uh, AT and T and Time Warner merging today. So that's we're talking about zero rating to open the show. We'll talk about happy that a little.
1: To, bit. Happy to talk about that. Uh,
0: and then you know we're a few weeks away from from CES here and might be fun to just talk about gadgets in general and there's there's something specific to talk about there but let's start with your column as we always do design functionality it seems like seems like the balance is a little bit wrong right now
1: yeah uh, so uh, i I agree with you I think we've just seen a number of products where the design pe- designers and design people who are good to have on these products uh, i I'm all in favor of having them and 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 having Cool designs, but they they seem to be a little bit drunk with power, uh, <laughs> or at least they seem more unfiltered than they once were. And sometimes what they do appears—I I don't know their motives. I don't know what went on secretly in the making of some of these products. But they—it appears sometimes like the whole goal of the thing was just to look cool and to feel cool, with with no counter or not enough counterbalancing of. Well, but wait a minute, does it still do or have the features that people need it to have despite the looks? I mean, so I start the column by talking about how almost exactly 15 years ago, within about six weeks, the iPod came out in 2001. And to me... That, I mean I think – I could be wrong about this, but I think the iPod is one of those things that's in like the Museum of Modern Art or something. I mean it's a beautiful piece of design mm-hmm. unquestionably and it had some great uh, you know, new design elements in it like the scroll wheel and just the way the chrome was around it and the fact that its size at the time. It looks big and clunky if you look at one now, but it was incredibly small for the amount of – of music, it stored. It was the size of a of a deck of cards at the time. So all the design aspects of it were, you know, super wow at the time. That it was it was for the time a very thin uh, device in its category, and it had clever designs of how you how you worked it and navigated it and all that. But it had all this functionality. It fixed all the practical functional problems of all the MP3 players that came before. And those two things were super powerful. And, of course, it was an enormous success in iteration after iteration after iteration where they did the same thing. Even though the subsequent iPods often looked different, they were always a an attempt to meld you know, really, really lustworthy design with great functionality. And my point is – and then I immediately compared it to the new MacBook. Mm-hmm. This is the the entry level now. well not a, it's the smaller of the two newest Mac laptops. It came out in 2015. It was refreshed this year. It's twelve inches. It's at most a half an inch uh, thick and it weighs two pounds. but it only has one port that, uh, you know other than the headphone jacket has one port, which you're gonna mostly use for charging. And it uh, has a sub-optimal processor so that it can have no fan, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, the, in other words, the, you make it thin. The thermals are a certain way. It's harder to have a full-blown processor in there. And I just think that's a lot of functional sacrifice to make particularly beautiful design. Not only do you have to buy a dongle or at least one dongle – uh, even if you're even if you're not a person with heavy computing needs, you just want to charge your phone, let's say, or put a thumb drive in once in a while, you're gonna buy a dongle and at the same time you're gonna find that you're gonna run into the limitations of the processor and the GPU because the design dictated that you really can't put a full full-blown processor in that or at least Apple's design did. yeah.
0: I mean, it's so I think Those two
1: things are contrast: the iPod and the
0: MacBook. So I have your, um, I have your iPod review, the first one, November one, two thousand one. I think we we probably read this one before, but we read different parts of it on the show. But I, I'm going to start at the very beginning, where you first you outline a list of problems other other MP3 players have had. Some can only hold 10, 20 songs and little memory cards. Others have hard drives, but the lousy battery life. And then this is your big quote. I've been testing a terrific digital music player that solves all these problems. This is Apple's first non-computer product in years, and it's a design home run. The iPod is simply the best digital music player I've ever seen. It costs three ninety nine. dollars and will be available November 10th. So you said a design home run. Right. I, I, I kind of want to put that in context, because what you're talking about now with the MacBook, you know, the the, the immediate argument about the MacBook is... It's for people who are willing to make that trade-off. They'll take less power and fewer ports because they want the smallest laptop they can get, and that is the thing. But I think what's really interesting ab- about that argument, when you bring it to the iPod and in- in this phrase, design home run, in the context of November 1, 2001, is that the iPod was shaped around state-of-the-art components that still dictated its form, right? They... They had to go find that hard drive. They sourced it from Toshiba. That was the smallest hard drive they could get at that time. And it made the iPod the thing that it was. And there's actually a big argument between Tony Fidel and John Rubinstein, who were Apple VPs at the time, about who the father of the iPod was, because one of them found the hard drive and the other one built it. And it's, that thing was, it was the result of a lot of hard choices about trade-offs. And one of those trade-offs was dictated by the components that were available, you pull that out to the MacBook and it's – the the tradeoffs around components are not as obvious, right? They're asking the customer to make tradeoffs now right, about exactly what you might right. buy. And I think that's really interesting. So tell me – when you say design home run, what did you think that meant when you wrote it in 2001 and what what do you think it means now?
1: Well, I probably in 2001 was using it in a more – in a vaguer way than I was using it in this column because I think it's it's now very – you know the, the industry is that much more mature, and I think it's sort of clearer now that we have a cadre of people at all these companies. And this all the, – the birth of all this and the continuing kind of fountain of all this is Apple because they were the design company from the very start. They mm-hmm. were the company that cared the most about design. When other people were churning out beige boxes and black towers, they – Cared about the way things looked. Steve Jobs cared about that, and Apple cared about that. But it isn't only Apple. A lot of these companies have cores. Uh, at Google certainly, and Nest, and 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 uh, parts of Microsoft have these designers, who uh, whose job is to make this thing look great, and then they have engineers whose job is to make sure the thing works in a certain way and has certain kinds of abilities that they perceive the market wants. And I think uh, the market wants great design and something that looks great, but they want something that also works great. And I think in 2001, I meant that probably to encompass both those things. Mm-hmm. Although I would I would say that even if you stripped it out as to just the way it looked and the user experience yeah. as design, the iPod scores five stars on, on, on uh, the original iPod on both those things. Uh, even if you didn't get into the how many songs and and you know how you synced it and all those functional things and the battery life, all of which, by the way, were also five stars. But I but there is a kind of fashionista design mafia out there now <laughs> that has that. The, and it's good to see, even at a company like Dell, yeah, which never cared about it at all. I mean, you know, never. They have it, and other people have it, and. It's good that it's out there, but it has to be – You know, if you're running one of these companies, I think you have to carefully focus it. Personally, and I can't prove anything I'm about to say. It's very important in the era of fake news <laughs> that we make it clear that we're talking about opinion here. It is my opinion that one of the consequences of the, of, of the, of the death of, of jobs at Apple was the design team at that company, which is a large team of people or the design sensibility there, is less curated and edited and filtered than it once was. I mean, Jobs was clearly pro-cool design. There's no doubt about it. He was was willing to make the machines more expensive to support that. He was willing to give up market share, or in the case of the iPod, you know, it it, it turned – around that he managed to gain market share, but he was willing to make compromises, but only up to a point. And, you know, this is just a pure theory, but, you know, there's not many people like that around. So if you don't have him, then your design people have more focus. And we know, in fact, that Tim Cook has assigned a lot of responsibility to Johnny Ive, who's a brilliant designer, who I would never say anything bad about. But I mean, I think it's just like in our business, in a funny, uh, analogous way, I write something, I have an editor. It happens by chance that you're the editor. <laughs> and, but it could be somebody else, and it has been occasionally. Yeah. And I have had other editors over the years. If you have a good editor, they don't actually go and try to ch- – you know, unless, unless what's been submitted to them is just junk. Um, but, they, but what they're trying to do is build – make the thing stronger and make the thing in a way uh, more functional – uh, so, maybe I have a great turn of phrase, but it doesn't quite hold up logically when you when a fresh set of eyes looks at it. So, the curator, the editor looks at it and says, you know, it doesn't quite work. Or you left out this point and it was a point I meant to make mm-hmm. and the editor helps me. But by putting that point in, I lose some of the flow and I have to reestablish the flow or just have a different flow, you know.
0: This happened and with I, your column uh, last night. You had a did great did sentence, did did. and I said, "Why are you Why are you backing off? Just take this little piece of commas out, and the sentence is better, right?" And that's right. one example. And that's
1: what a good editor does. Yeah. And and you know, I know people listening sometimes who who don't know our business. Uh, just like I don't know what really goes on behind the scenes in the design of these products. Um, uh, you know, they might think that. You know, the editor is coming in to change the conclusions or to completely rewrite the piece. It's very, much subtler than that. And it, and it really uh, often winds up uh, bolstering and supporting what uh, it should, in, in the best case, what the writer uh, wanted in the first place. So I think, you know, Steve Jobs was one of the great curators or editors in a funny way, uh, even though he wasn't in doing this with words. There ever was, and he's not there. Yeah, and that might, you know, maybe he would have been fine with one port on that computer. There's no way to ask him.
0: Well, at the very but, least, so here, uh, and you wrote about more than Apple. I think it, it's it's I worth did. It's, absolutely in this conversation bringing up the Note Seven again, which yep. was a product that was aggressively designed, and that design might have led to the hardware failing and exploding. Right. I mean, right. That there's there's no clearer cut example of a design issue, dri- driven by trying to beat Apple to the punch on, on design, uh, leading to some <laughs> tremendously awful hardware problem. Uh, and you brought up some others in your column as well. But just to, to stick on Apple for, for one second, a thing that Jobs brought to the table, and I'm curious how he communicated this to you, but a thing that he brought to the table was if he put out the laptop with one port... He would just forcefully say, you don't need any others. This is the vision of this product is you don't need any others, and here it is. Apple's not so good at doing that anymore, and it feels like if they're headed in some direction, it's not actually clear what that direction is, right? Except for everything should always be getting thinner and lighter until they don't exist anymore, or all of the buttons have to go away, and those are vectors, right? They're they're patterns that you can see in Apple's work. But it's less clear to me now what they're in service of. And I'm curious, did Job ever tell you did Jobs ever tell you what he was doing all the stuff in service of, or did he just say I'm doing this stuff?
1: Well, I I mean, you know, he he believed that simpler is better, cleaner is better, that people would pay for and cherish beautiful things, whether it was a beautiful touch in a piece of software or a beautiful piece of hardware. I mean, I we know this. I mean, I'm hardly the only person he talked about this with, and there are books about him make this point. So he did believe that. But you will find that even though he's, you know, this is a separate, I want to separate this topic and not talk about it very much on this podcast. Uh, we are going to talk a little about it. But, you know, this question of being the first to change to a new standard of I.O. port uh, of some kind, uh, which, rec- or I.O. feature of some kind, which requires an add on uh, device. He was there on that at certain uh, inflection points, but it, you, you know, one of the first things he did when he came back to Apple was to take all their proprietary ports and get rid of them and bring in industry standard ports. So, in a way, one of his first big moves – and, of course, they were in de- terrible trouble, so he may have felt this was necessary for that reason. But, you know, they got – suddenly they got USB. Suddenly yeah. they got you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you have to be quite a bit older than I think a lot of our <laughs> listeners are to remember the names and the, and the, and the, and the existence of those old – even the, just attaching a keyboard to a Mac – you couldn't go out and buy a, another keyboard unless it was specifically made for Macs, uh, and he he ended all that. So uh, I just you know that's my sort of back of the seat of the seat. That's my seat of the pants theory about Apple. My theory about Samsung um, is is interesting, partly because there's a vacuum. There's mm-hmm. a much wor- you just complained about Apple not kind of framing this as well as they might, whatever it is they're doing. And that's a fair complaint, but that's more of a marketing thing. Samsung had a big blow to its corporate reputation in, in the Note 7 thing, uh, not, not to mention the washing machine
0: <laughs> recall, which we're
1: not going to mention. But um, And they have yet to explain to my knowledge they have yet to publish an explanation of what happened but you know they switched battery manufacturer they said they said it was a battery thing and we all that all made sense to those of us who cover tech because we know lithium ion batteries can catch fire and can cause explosions so they said it was a battery flaw we have now sw- they said this to me directly and they said this publicly in one form or another we have now switched to another supplier which does not make its batteries in exactly the same way. It does not have this flaw. So we're good. And then, of course, they weren't good. Because they weren't good with two different batteries from two different companies designed in slightly different ways, I think – and I think – what was the wording I used in the comments this morning? It's fair to speculate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean it is speculation, but I think it's fair speculation, particularly in the vacuum they've left by saying nothing about what really happened. I think it's fair speculation that something about the aggressive design of that phone was responsible for putting the batteries under the kind of stress that everyone knows can cause a lithium-ion battery to fail. Now, I'm not making a legal argument, so if you've got a class action suit, this isn't going to help you. You can call me to the stand, and I I,
0: have,
1: I have no evidence for this, just speculation. But I, but I, I encourage do you think, to
0: call Walt to the stand because I, <laughs> I would Neely. watch that. Thank you, Neil. Yeah.
1: Neil is a lawyer. He's a he's a. I don't know if you've maintained your your law license. But oh no, it's a real
0: lawyer. racket. I got to pay three hundred bucks a month to be inactive in in Illinois.
1: You do? Yeah,
0: they they charge me and just up, just are, so it says. But inactive. are you up
1: are you up to date?
0: Uh, I mean, I pay the money, but I'm inactive. You got to pay more okay. to be active, and if you don't pay, they list you as like you know arrest on site.
1: So. I think that that could be your next job. You could be like the Lincoln lawyer, driving around in a car, you know, doing cases from the back seat. Yeah, no. But um, and one of them will clearly be mine. Yeah. But um, it's a great sponsorship
0: no, uh, opportunity if Lincoln wants uh, to get on the it, podcast. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: I think that if you say we have this aggressive design, it's very tapered, you know, whatever. But and we also have a huge screen, by the way, at the same time. So we need a lot of, of battery power in here. Um, it's a challenge. Yeah. And so in the absence of them explaining it, I, th- I think this is, again, an example of too much emphasis on design, not enough on functionality. You could call it another word other than functionality, like safety or quality assurance or whatever, but too much emphasis on design. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Windows laptops that purport to be tablets at the same time Mm-hmm. Are a great example of people doing hard design work and uh, to make the thing flip around in a million ways and have a clever hinge and look good, but winding up with something that functionally fails. Yeah. If it if you try to use it as a tablet, it's the thickest, heaviest tablet you've ever seen. And if you try to use it as a clamshell and it's got a detachable screen so it can be used as a tablet, this, all, the, all the guts of it are in the screen. And it's so heavy that it flops over on your lap. And that's why you have a kickstand on some of them. But even that doesn't work very well in my experience on your lap. So, yeah, no, a
0: good, it, a good example there. And people are probably going to yell at us about this, but so be it. You know, the Surface Book I think is a great laptop, but there's all that engineering work in the hinge – and you still just, I, you know, I, I don't have any desire to pull that screen off. So that, that hinges, it doesn't do anything for me. I feel the same way about, um, Lenovo's various yoga devices that have that beautiful hinge. Yep. Uh, Lauren Good reviewed one recently, I think. And she's like, this hinge is great, but you know, I don't need to do this all the time. Uh, Dieter, there, there's that Dieter mention. Dieter, Dieter Bones. Dieter Bone, our other executive editor. He is on the hunt for a new laptop. He's seriously considering ditching his, his Mac to go to a PC. He's on the hunt for what he refers to as the one true Windows laptop. And every single one has a deal breaker somewhere. Some of the deal breakers are really dumb. Um, you know, that yoga I mentioned. The camera, instead of being at the top center of the screen, to make it all work, they had to stick it in the bottom right of the screen. So when you that's video That's a perfect
1: call someone, example. It, it, and and that's a smart nose. company, by the way, that has done quality work over many years. But... If you're going to go into contortions to try to uh, to try to you know please that your design people on this, you're going to make compromises. Like the camera is a perfect example that don't make any sense even to a, just a consumer who hap- you know. I'm sure there are consumers who walk up to that on a store shelf or look at a picture on the internet and don't notice where the camera is. But if right. they notice where the camera is, they're like, "Well, this is strange." So you know, I think every comp. By the way. I- I haven't surveyed every company, but there aren't that many, and I've talked to a good sample of them, say that their internal data show that people just use these as clamshells. Yeah. In fact, that HP Spectre that I did praise in the column for uh, remembering to keep ports in, even though it's thinner than the MacBook, um, it doesn't flip around into a tablet, doesn't even have a touchscreen. And it's expensive, by the way. It's really expensive. I forgot the price, but it's expensive but it's a but it's a laptop because that's what people use that kind of product for
0: mm-hmm. i mean it, to me what what it comes down to is and, and you and i have t- talked about this a little bit on the show before i think in the past apple in 2001 was the only company that took design seriously and they held that lead for the longest time actually i have an imac review that you mentioned in your column from 2005 it's a iMac G5 review. Right. I'm just going to read this quote. This is how you open it. I want people to pay attention to the nouns in this line from Walt. No desktop offered by Dell or Hewlett Packard or Sony Gateway can match the new iMac G5's combination of power, elegance, simplicity, ease of use, built-in software, stability, and security. From setup to performing the most intense task, it's a pleasure to use. And contrary to common misconceptions, this Mac is competitively priced. There it is. Like, you know, earlier I said define... Design win. Well, I think that's the answer, right? Power, elegance, simplicity, ease of use, built-in software, stability, security. Those are the metrics. And I think what we're talking about right now is there's so many products that are exciting because they're off the charts on one of those categories. And to pay for it, they're below average on some of the other ones. And that is not – that's a fine set of trade-offs in a crowded market with all kinds of things and consumers can choose – that is actually everything now, right? And so it's not just, you know, I really value portability and I can accept the hit on power, so I'm going to buy the, the MacBook. Your other choice is the MacBook Pro, which is also a little bit underpowered and it's also a little bit constrained on ports right now. So across the board in that line, Apple's made some trade-offs for you that you might not want to make. There's not there's not a lot of products that hit the sweet spot on all of them altogether. And that that is exactly what you know, I think Dieter is finding as he, he continues his quest for the, the one true Windows laptop is everything is kind of wrong in one specific way because they've made a trade-off too sharply. And I, we see that all over the place. Uh, last night, this isn't in your column, but I was like, we should talk about apps too. And it's worth talking about with apps. Yeah. Snapchat is a great app. It's super popular. People love it. They're doing great. That interface is so designed for simplicity that it's almost impossible to understand at first use, right? And you, yeah. and you can tell me, oh, the teens get it. I, yeah, I understand, but you still have to figure it out. And we every time we publish a story, things you didn't know Snapchat could do, it goes off the charts because people didn't know, and they're interested to find out because the, right. the interface isn't discoverable. There, there's all kinds of, there's these examples all over the place now.
1: Yeah, and and I wrote a whole column and we had a whole podcast about how hard Twitter is to use and. Uh, and twitter
0: looks simple that's the thing
1: (laughs) that's the thing it looks incredibly simple and it's actually incredibly complex Uh, you'll you'll get you'll get 80 percent less out of it if you just approach it in its simplest form i mean it's a huge it's a huge difference delta it's a huge delta there between uh, you know just composing 140 characters and 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 letting them sit out there all alone without any knowing any of the tricks to get other people to read them and respond and you know and and actually becoming twitter proficient yeah which takes a lot of your time and attention and it, when you have that kind of a delta you ought to be if you're uh, in charge of that product software or hardware you ought to be sitting back and saying something's wrong here we need to fix this
0: well, I mean uh, we could make the same argument on voice assistants, right? Right. They're not discoverable products. You you have to just fail a lot before you know what Siri can do or the Echo can do. And maybe that's fine. Maybe that's the future. But there was a time in which, you know, the great software design, they always talk about, great software designers always talk about delighting you, right? You you do something and the software delights you in some unexpected way. Yes. There are very few ways. And then you you know that that's a feedback loop, and you learn to do something over and over again.
1: And that was always that was always a, a an Apple thing as well, and it was never a Windows thing for many years. Uh, and I think neither of them is particularly delightful right now <laughs> on, <laughs> on their operating systems. I mean, you know, they they work, and they're 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 most of the time for most of the purposes. Yeah, but they're not especially delightful anymore. Uh, nobody's pursuing delight. Yeah, uh, they're pursuing like simplicity. They used to.
0: So th- that's kind of what I mean about the end, right? Like the is the end result we want to delight people, and they're gonna they're gonna move up the curve from being the casual user to the power user because we reward them for figuring out more and more and more how the product works. Yeah, that's, or is it just I simple? I think so.
1: You know, in 1991 when I started my column, that was the thing. When I mean, you were either a newbie or a techie, <laughs> there's nothing in between. And and if you are a newbie, you were hopeless, and you should join a user group or buy a book or whatever. Uh, and until you could become a techie, at which point you understood how to use Lotus One Two Three, right, uh, or Word or a DOS computer, uh, which meant you know that the only the, the that the fir- that buying the computer was only the first step in actually having a usable computer. You know, you had to you had to have the right drivers. You, had, you you had to buy cards and then buy different drivers because those cards maybe didn't work with the first set of drivers, and on and on and on and on and, on. and That was a whole industry, and uh, you know that was what computer tech writing was often about. Um, and and I would hate to think we're going back uh, to that. And I'm not certainly not saying the MacBook falls into that category, but Uh, because it really doesn't take that long to figure out how to use a dongle that lets you charge your phone while you're charging the MacBook. It's just, here they've gone and made this gorgeous machine, and it's not so gorgeous with a dongle attached to it. Um,
0: Well, it does take some time to figure out that you need the thing, that you got to go buy it, that you have to buy the right one. I mean – there is an ask there. It's not as simple as it used to be. It looks more simple, but it's actually more complex. That was kind of the point I was getting at with voice assistants, right? It the interaction model is much more simple. You just talk to it. But as you and I have talked about so many times, they're not nearly good enough for that to be a discoverable simple model. Yeah,
1: I mean, here's a here's a we talked about Siri, I wrote a whole thing about yeah. why Siri is so dumb, but with the Echo, one of the great advantages that Alexa, which is the Everybody knows the uh, everybody listening here probably knows the AI platform uh, uh, behind the echo and it's in some other devices as well, is extensible. And so there are thousands of essentially apps, they call them skills that the voice assistant picks up from third parties. My problem is, and, and, and I subscribe and or maybe everyone who bought an echo subscribes, Automatically, unless you cancel it, to a email newsletter it comes once a week that says, "Here's what's new on your Echo." Here, do you get that one. I mean, here, yeah. here are all the, here are all the things you can do this week that you couldn't do last week. You know, because we just implemented them. And I find most of those things don't work, or at least I can't make my Echo because a lot of them have a special command mm-hmm. beyond just Alexa. So that kind of undermines the whole intimacy feeling that you have with the thing. But beyond that, it just doesn't – it just doesn't recognize a lot of it. You know, I, I – I, all through the election campaign, I could still never get it uh, <laughs> to give me the Washington Post political news because whatever Washington Post-like command you had to give it, it didn't understand in my voice at least or I couldn't remember it correctly. So something simple and, you know, with a I, – I know there are people who don't like the way the echo looks, but I think it looks pretty good and – it's pretty good design, but the functionality is compromised.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what we're getting at here is there are these two poles, right? There's this extreme complexity and there's this extreme simplicity. And the whole world is just charged towards extreme simplicity. And it it does a disservice to the user who, A, you don't have to believe that everyone's a genius, but oftentimes smart enough to know what they want. And so they, if you just give them the ability to get it, they would take it and it does a disservice in the sense that too much simplicity actually leads to a much more you need a much more complicated understanding of what's happening and why to get what you want and that there's a balance here And i think what you're arguing is we need to pull back that
1: balance yeah the balance the balance is off but i but i would only i would just uh, before you move on i i would just i would just modify your Uh, statement of it slightly. I don't think it's too much simplicity. I think it's too much pure look and feel and too little attention to, like, it would be much harder to make that MacBook that I used. And again, there's plenty of other examples in the column. This isn't all about Apple or all about the MacBook. But uh, it, it would be, it would have been much harder, I suspect, to design that macbook in a way that looked cool you know was small was light was thin because it also is light and it also has a very small footprint print which is also part of the problem because they didn't there's no there's no uh space on the side of the keyboard which would have allowed for more ports um they the only place for ports is like above the keyboard uh and there's only room for one on each side so one side has the audio jack and one side has the the C. Uh, which you mostly use for charging, but um, I, I just think it's not—it's it, a rush to simplicity without thinking about what can't be left behind in that rush. Yeah, it's, it's, and and it's harder; it's it's much harder to to not sacrifice things than it is to just throw things overboard you know, like, boy, this lifeboat would be much better looking if we wasn't overcrowded with way more people than we're supposed to hold. (laughs) It's only supposed to hold 16. We have 24, eight of you over the side, you know, we're great, you know, now we're sleek. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a problem. And I think we have a lot of that going on. I, I mentioned, you know, the Google Home device, which competes with the Echo. And there, I think the differences are much slighter. But I think Google made its device look better, but somehow along the line, put in slightly inferior mic and speaker system. Yeah. Just pretty important, given that the principal use of these devices, for most people I know, is listening to music. Well, there's a
0: really uh, and, simple one with that. You know, they, It has an angled top, and the lights yeah. on top are flush with the top. So if you're not in front of it, and you often aren't because you're walking around, and you yeah. say okay, Google, you don't know if it's listening or not. Whereas with the Echo, you can be anywhere in the room and it provides some feedback. And that's just, they made it look better, right? It's on, in one sense, an objectively nicer design. It's smaller, sleeker, there's less buttons and it, you know, the, the Echo actually has that big knob on the top. Google has none of that. But Functionally, it's worse because you do It just doesn't give you the same feedback as the other device.
1: Exactly right, and even though the Echo does have, does remind me of the Cylons from <laughs> Battlestar Galactica.
0: I've really come the light, around.
1: The light, I know you love it, but yeah. the light whips around and that's great. <clears throat> finds what direction the, your voice is coming from and beams right at you, and you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I think that's. Performs maybe maybe lobotomy. it's a little too threatening. I'll <laughs> grant you, it, it is a little. Especially if they change it so that light can be red, it may oh, be would, way yeah, too absolutely. threatening. But that feedback is it adds complexity to the device, sure, but it rewards you for using it. Whereas the you know the Google one is it, you have to believe that it's listening to you, and I, it's just that little stuff, and we're, we're just kind of losing it here and there. And I, I think that's that's worth talking about. So that transitions me transitions us into mm-hmm. what we should spend maybe two mm-hmm. minutes talking about which yeah. is this hot rumor about samsung and the headphone jack and so this is one where i think lots of reasonable people have lots of disagreements about whether this is too much design in the sake of functionality which is what i believe uh you pointed out some research today that says most people don't care to me
1: um, i it, i all, all i see, most americans don't care yeah so I know you're from Wisconsin. <laughs> I know you're a big, I'm
0: a red-blooded fan. American you're, man.
1: You're like you're like an all-American guy. Um, <laughs> the listeners don't know you like I do, but you are an all-American guy. And yet, on this issue, you're French. Yeah, you're basically French. Oh, basically, the French are like. Who cares about these? You know, and they buy, and they buy the iPhone anyway.
0: You look, the French—it's a—it's a, it's a culture that values tradition, uh, hierarchy. No,
1: I, I had it exactly wrong. The Americans there say are. nobody cares about it, but the French say this is outrageous. We must go to war over yeah. this headphone thing. And you, and you're—that's you. That's you. Look, there's and, a rich you
0: know. strain of, of French uh, culture in Wisconsin,
1: but in—in in, you know. <laughs> on this website called the verge yeah. which i read pretty much every day uh, all day but uh there was an article and because it appeared in the verge it's factual it's not fake news it's mm-hmm. real news uh, and, it, and it and it had fantastic facts, the best facts, <laughs> best facts ever. And in that article, the finest facts
0: available. <laughs>
1: the <laughs> finest facts, the
0: best tremendous, facts, tremendous, huge.
1: I mean, I mean, huge facts. <laughs> and the facts were that looking at the sales trends of the iPhone Seven in the United States, I mean, it was like down in a variety of other countries for various reasons, but in the United States, it was up by a lot. Yeah, uh, and the conclusion of the of the researchers, uh, unbiased, published by The Verge researchers, said apparently Americans don't care that it doesn't have a headphone
0: jack. Yeah,
1: and so I just I just slacked you and said <laughs> you apparently are not an American. I'm
0: not, not anymore. <laughs> um, who knows?
1: You were, yeah, but, but now no, no, no. no. everything yeah.
0: changes. So I think that's really interesting for a variety of reasons. And then there was a rumor, which obviously we can't. We don't know until they do it, but that Samsung will remove it from the next Galaxy. Yes. All of this is interesting. There, You know, there's my read on it is that I still hate it. Um, I'm probably going to write something else about it because I'm getting a lot of people tweeting at me like,
1: I'm quite sure. Look,
0: Apple took the slings and arrows and now everyone else is free to do this because it's the right thing to do.
1: They might be tweeting at you because you wrote. That's true. I I hate this. I do hate it. I think that's exactly was your tweet. I do I hate this.
0: So yeah. here, here's what I'll say, and I, we'll keep this quick because we don't need to belabor headphone jacks for the rest of our lives. But when Apple t- got rid of the floppy drive, their move was that floppy drives should not exist anymore, right? That was their bet. There will be no floppy drives in the future. When they got rid of the optical drive, their bet was optical media is going to disappear from this world. When they moved to USB, while I was talking on keyboards, when they got rid of the, what was it, the ADB port, that was their proprietary keyboard is. port. Yep. Their, their belief was that there would be no more ADB ports in the world. I'd well,
1: they, they were the only company that sure, made so them. Sure, so could, they, they could, they could made guarantee, guarantee it
0: that there would be no more <laughs> ADB ports in the world. Yeah. Uh, here, maybe it's not a deal breaker. Maybe it's not the reason you, you don't buy a phone, right? Fair. I have now heard from more people who have this phone, this is pretty inconvenient. But I still really like the phone. Micah Singleton, one of our reporters in the office yesterday... And he, the only headphones he brought were his lightning headphones. And he he travels. He doesn't live in New York. So he's in New York. He's like, I can't use these headphones with anything. It's really inconvenient. If Samsung moves to USB-C headphones, now you've got a, a USB-C headphone and you can't use it with anything. I, the headphone jack in the world is not going away. And I think that's that's the reason that this is too much design over functionality. Airlines are not going to replace their seatback back. Systems with lightning ports and USB-C ports to serve everyone. Like, and if they do, that cost will just get passed to you in your ticket, right? They're, they're not going to do that for free, or they're going to have to put out nicer headphones for people to use because you want to watch the inflight. Like, that's just a little example that I think about a lot because I fly a lot. And on the
1: although f- I will tell you that on United Airlines, yeah, uh, <laughs> I you know that I'm the biggest fan <laughs> of United Airlines. Did you see the story uh, today? If you use your own earbuds or headphones, very often, in my experience, they don't work very well. They cut out constantly if you plug them into the United. Yeah. The the three-and-a-half-millimeter jack that they provide in the seat.
0: But if you... So, I don't no, know. But, I understand, uh, but are you going to pair your Bluetooth... Are you going to feel comfortable no, pairing no, look, your Bluetooth look, look, headphones look, look, look. with the, the plane?
1: I uh, I agree with you. There,
0: there's something here... i not quite
1: as vehement as you are, but, but I, I agree with I you. Just I just don't... I
0: don't think Apple got rid of it because I think the headphone jack should disappear from this earth. And even if they did, I don't think it's possible. And so...
1: Well, no 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 no. They think that headphone jack should disappear from the earth, I think. I mean, they haven't gotten rid of it in their computers yet, but I think ultimately they, you know, we've discussed this many times. Uh, I, I I think they ultimately I think they think it's all going to be wireless. You know, if and, as, if and had... as an interim step, they they are able to transmit sound very nicely through the lightning ports. so that what's is what they're doing. And they're they're giving you free
0: I know what they're doing. The giving exact
1: you. same earbuds with a lightning connector, I, so you're not lo- losing there. And they're giving you a and nine
0: dollar dongle. Nine dollars. And a they're lot. giving
1: you a nine dollar dongle, which I don't understand how people lose because you just keep it on the end <laughs> of your old thing, and it and it's very firmly attached. And I don't know how you lose it.
0: But no, I, okay, I, all of those things are true. I'm saying when Samsung does it too, and if the other vendors follow, a thing that was simple and universal will go towards being that, that's complicated correct. and proprietary and on balance that is bad that's it I, I i and you can argue with me about the specifics which everyone is doing and that's great but in general i think simple and universal transitioning to complicated and proprietary is generally bad and that is very clearly the direction that we're headed in well, USB C is not proprietary, but, I, but it's not USB C headphones on, on on the iPhone. If if Apple had put a, a USB C jack on the iPhone, I think this whole conversation would be very different.
1: Well, I expect they will. Frankly, I, you, I think there'll be a such an uproar about that. You, it'll be incredible. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against. I uh, know,
0: wow. listeners. That is the listeners, boldest prediction listeners. That I am not stating fake show.
1: news. This is speculation, <laughs> but. Um, they clearly have embraced USB-C. They were on the committee, the industry committee that adopted and designed it. They've embraced it big time you know, to the exclusion of everything else on their two latest uh, laptops. And I just I just, I just, just wouldn't be shocked. And they, we know they're doing a massive redesign of the iPhone for next year. I just wouldn't be shocked.
0: That would be something. And I really, that be- would change the calculation entirely for me.
1: If you believed that Wireless was the future, and I don't know what Samsung believes, but I obviously it's obvious to both of us that Apple believes that. If you believe that wireless is the future, and a wired headphone jack is a thing that's going eventually to go to go away, and there are many other advantages to having USB-C as your charging port, um, and it happens that it also puts out audio, mm-hmm. then. You might do that
0: again. We'll see what they do, but if I, I think the whole the whole dynamic of this conversation changes, they do that. This episode of Control Alt Delete is brought to you by Lenovo. Look, the cloud sounds magical, but it's just data stored on servers. It's estimated that the cloud holds four exabytes of data, equal to the storage capacity of six million average laptops. By 2020, experts expect the cloud to hold 40 zettabytes of data or the storage equivalent of 80 billion average laptops. Most of that data is stored on nearly 5.5 million servers operated by just 16 companies. But the cloud isn't just a place to store stuff. In fact, business increasingly relies on the cloud for expandable computing power. Imagine if you only have house guests coming, but only one bedroom. What if you just order an extra bedroom for your guests you could remove after they leave? That's the idea behind Lenovo's next-generation data centers built for cloud computing. You see, the cloud is all about giving your company the ability to expand and contract server capacity on-demand without actually adding more hardware. Lenovo understands that on-demand access can give your company a tremendous competitive advantage. Think about it. The faster you can scale up, the faster your development team can test new applications, and that means you can get new product features into market faster. But that kind of flexibility is worthless if your servers are down. Lenovo servers are number one in reliability and performance because you don't have time for downtime. So if you're feeling handcuffed by proprietary hardware software relationships, Lenovo systems allow you to partner with leading software providers to ensure your cloud solution is best in class. Lenovo systems can even integrate with legacy software platforms to get your cloud solution up and running quickly. So just go and learn more about how Lenovo is transforming the data center at www.lenovo.com datacenter Okay, so we've got few Minutes left. I want to talk about something a little out there, something that we don't usually do on the show, but we're we're literally in the midst. I am, Walt's not going to CS this year, but I am, Dieter is, a lot of us are going. We're in the midst of
1: 25 years is enough. 25 CS. This is is my 10th,
0: I believe. So, yeah, I'm 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 picking up the 15 more to go. (laughs) I'm going to run out that next 15 and hand it off. But CS is coming. It's obviously the big gadget show uh, of the year. And then today, interestingly, uh, Farhad Manju, who I like, he's been on The Vergecast with us uh, in the past. He, he writes an interesting column every week in New York Times. Uh, said, welcome to the gadget. I like him too. Yeah, welcome to the gadget apocalypse. And he, it's a piece basically saying Pebble in, was in the news this week. They're selling all their stuff uh, to Fitbit. The company fell apart. There's a few other sort of hardware makers in the world who are not doing so great. His thesis is basically... There was this moment for hardware startups for hardware companies, uh, and it's it's that moment is over because the phone has has thoroughly eaten everything. I think another one of his examples was GoPro, which is also not doing very well recently. Well, you and I both kind of reacted to this. I you know I tweeted him. I generally disagree in that you know markets have winners and losers, right? And people buy stuff and they. They stop buying things and companies come and go. But on balance, I actually see more gadgets in the world right now and more people yes. trying to build things. What, what I, entirely,
1: I entirely agree with it. I think, I think the idea that the phone is going to eat all the single or dual-purpose per- gadgets was truer four years ago than it is today. I think that uh, as people have gotten very used to the smartphone because – One of the things that Farhad said was that the moment that this began to happen was January, what do you say, January 2007 or June 2007 was the iPhone. And, you know, that was true for a while. I mean, you know, it was amazing all the things you could do and still is, I suppose, in a way. If you were in a time uh, machine or something and, uh, you know, went forward in time and looked at this thing, you would be amazed. All the things you can do that you used to, or theoretically would have had separate things for, but I think what's happening now is that people are realizing, just as uh, you know, Apple and uh, has stood for, and now, Google uh, has uh, and Microsoft have understood the value of vertical integration of hardware and software. Um, you know, gadgets that do certain things can do them better. Than an app on a phone that was designed to be a general device, uh, and just because Pebble is failing and there's consolidation in the fitness band smartwatch market, doesn't prove the case. I mean, another one of his examples was, you know, GoPro is in trouble, and the reason is that he he just he went on a vacation and he was going to buy a GoPro. But he went on Amazon. And he found a bunch of knockoffs, and they were almost as good as his GoPro, or as good for someone like him who isn't a super extreme athlete. And uh, so, how does that prove that gadgets are dead? I, you know, I it just, <laughs> I just, don't, I just don't think the case was made there. And we can respectfully, you know, we can still like Farhad. We'll still like him next week. He'll write something smart we'll agree with. But in this case, I just think um, – I just don't think it's true. I think I think we can barely keep up with the flood of writing about these um, gadgets. And, I, you know, Neelai, when I started reviewing tech products, which weren't all hardware. I mean I reviewed software and services. But a lot of it, especially in the early days, was hardware. Um, I decided to separate in my mind – the sales and financial success of the company from the product. In other words, I wanted uh, you know, unless it was, of course, I didn't recommend things that I thought were from fly-by-night companies, but, you know, I wanted to write about the excitement of somebody inventing something nobody had thought of before that relied on digital technology to get something done in a cool way within the reach of average people. That was sort of what I did. And I didn't, you know, if it failed uh, after I re- recommended it, fine. I mean, you know, movie critics like movies that fail at the box office. It doesn't mean the movie critic rescinds her view that the movie was a very good movie. And I felt the same way. And the opposite. I mean, there were things I didn't like that succeeded uh, in the market. And it didn't mean that I suddenly turned around and liked them. Like, oh, I made a mistake because it sold a lot. I didn't do that. So, I, you know, I think. We, it's our job to tell the readers what's out there and they're gonna react you know, well or not. And sometimes it's the product that's at fault that we didn't know there was a flaw in it because it only showed up six months later. Or sometimes the product is fine and the company doesn't manage its money right or do customer service or marketing or sales or something right that wasn't really relevant to what we were writing about. Yeah. And when you just look at the products There's just a ton of interesting things out there. I mean even just – I think you pointed this out in one of your tweets. Uh, I think I read all your tweets about this today Uh, uh, because it was podcast day. I don't want you to think I read all your tweets. But the – I think you pointed out that, you know, geez, there's a revolution going on and of all things routers – Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, have Eero, and you have Luma, and you have what is it, Orbi, Orby. and you, and and now you have the Google one, and the routers talk to each other, and they they do better coverage of your house, and you know all that stuff. And I I reviewed Eero. Uh, Dan Seifert just
0: reviewed the Google Wi-Fi. One thing that Dan just reviewed consistently the Google one surprises us. Some inside baseball, another theme of this show. When we write about routers, always the most popular thing on the site. We, we literally cannot do enough router coverage on The Verge. And we're never going to be smallnetbuilder.com or whatever. Right? They're a great site. If you're deep into routers, I encourage you to go read them. But it always it always surprises us. And it, it surprised us every time for five years that we do a router post.
1: Really? Wait? You get a lot of traffic writing about routers? Every
0: time. It, 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 so, it's so just my such five a, it's part such thing. My
1: five-part series the next five weeks about routers will be okay. Let's get into
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it'll subsidize my You know all the weird other stuff we want to do. I <laughs> know it's the traffic for the month, is it? Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, it's just interesting. I mean that that there is an enormous amount of innovation going on and things that we take for granted. Um, I always think it's interesting that this cycle of total tech disillusionment tends to come right at this time of year. As the news cycle grinds to a halt people buy the things for the holidays because that's what all the companies are focused yep. on right now and then in January there's another cycle of excitement and disillusionment when you see all the news I would see yes it's not coming out for several months and everyone realizes oh it doesn't you know it, it it's not the it's not the next iPhone I didn't I didn't see anything world changing
1: that's exactly I, right I think
0: the iPhone has has it's it's thrown the balance of what these things are supposed to do so out of whack nothing is going to be the next iPhone. It's just not going to happen.
1: Well, I mean, you know, or the next Windows 95 or the next even the Mac when it came out. there were just, uh, you know this, I know you know this, but I wrote a piece a few years ago about how none of the major tech innovations in your life other than H D T V were actually debuted at CES. But it doesn't mean there aren't a lot of small interesting things there. There are and or or new retakes on the bigger things that you know just add uh, something a little better a little different whatever and there certainly are successful companies oh, as yeah. well as unsuccessful ones at ces I, I, i'm and, not
0: defending ces like I, the va- the overall value of ces has declined every year since i've been going certainly
1: over but you keep going but we
0: keep going because they're you know it's a just to, for a reporter, everyone is there, so you can talk to everyone. That's tremendously useful uh in terms of literally just seeing and handling all of the things, which is important. It's a great place to go do it um yeah, so th- you know there's reasons to go beyond we're gonna go and there's gonna be the next well i i don't
1: fire. I didn't ask Farhad and I don't know yeah. whether this affected you know his decision to write this, but um, you know. He made a case. I don't think you and I agree with this case. Yeah. Uh, that's not true every week, uh, and I'm sure he disagrees with us some weeks. And I'm sure. That's just fine. Um, that is that that is a free press. <laughs> we disagree. We disagree. And it's not fake news when we disagree. It's just we disagree. Uh, that's all.
0: You know, one of our reporters, uh, who I don't think we've ever mentioned on the show, Ashley Carman, who does a lot of writing uh, and work for Circuit Breaker, our gadget blog, Uh, she's actually working on a response to this because she sees more gadgets than anybody on Circuit Breaker. Yeah,
1: I'm sure. And her
0: point is the market's actually specializing. So these big, broad, mass market hits, they might be gone, but there's so much more action for people with specific interests. Um, Her example, and you're going to love this one, is uh, marijuana's legal in this country. There's now lots and lots of gadgets for people who want to grow marijuana in their homes. That is not I iPhone, think that's a right? fabulous
1: example, um, but it's no, it's and, really and, interesting, and, and, right? and I'll bet you, I'll bet you, there's a thousand marijuana growing apps for the iPhone. Do right, but it, it, but the phone and the Samsung phones have an incredible number of sensors and processors, and I mean, they can do amazing things. But n- nobody at at Apple and Samsung sat around saying, "Let's make sure this phone <laughs> is a fabulous <laughs> gadget for growing marijuana." Yeah. Not, not because they cared about weed being a bad thing, but, but how big a market is that? You know, that's not going to influence your design of a general-purpose device. So I like Ashley's reasoning. I think it's yeah. good. I hope she has some other examples. Oh, uh, yeah, uh,
0: hopefully, hopefully she's working on it today. So um, hopefully, read that at TheVerge.com. It's great. You can access it on any internet device that you want. It's great.
1: TheVerge.com, the same site. It said, Americans don't care. There's no <laughs> headphone jack. <laughs> the
0: they care about weed. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I, you know, and I encourage her to read the piece uh, when, she, when she puts it up. But her point was tech and design thinking is now coming to all of these smaller markets. And that is a valuable yeah, I think place a really, for that's nation, too. It's
1: a really smart point. And um, I think there's another thing. She's probably, maybe she doesn't agree with this or she's not going to write it. But I... Uh, uh, I got a hint uh, – uh, I just was watching TV last night and uh, there was a commercial for Fossil and basically it was about how Fossil has – you know, looked like Android wear smartwatches. Yep. So There's ads on the subway
0: over in New York for Fossil Android watches.
1: Okay, but here's the point. That's a, a non-tech company that's just adopting tech and putting it in. I mean the car companies are adopting CarPlay and Android Auto. Is a car – I mean, a, not a self driving car, but I mean, a regular car that, you know, a Cadillac that has CarPlay, and actually the Cadillac commercials are advertising it now. Is that a new tech gadget? No. And so Farhad might say, well, I don't know, you know, the, that's not a tech gadget. But the fact is, it has a lot of new tech in it. Yeah. And that's another kind of – that Fossil, Cadillac, whatever those brands have been around a long time,
0: now they're tech brands. So let me try to circle this back to the first thing we started talking about, which was – Oh, all right. Let's go. Design and functionality. What you have now is a world in which the, the lessons of 2001, 2005 Apple are everywhere, right? The people making this new stuff, they grew up in a world where Apple's level of design was the status quo. So they're, they're trying to top it. So well, it was
1: aspir- It wasn't the status quo. It was aspirational. I mean, they all wanted it desperately.
0: Yeah, but i the iPod was a status quo gadget, right? It it, it went from being revolutionary to the thing that everybody had very quickly. The iPhone right. is a status quo gadget, right? It's Mac MacBook Air. MacBook Air. So also, like that, that's what I mean, right? They, they've they've come up in a world where that's the floor. If you make a product worse than that, you're not even in the game. Right? Right. So the, the question is— Which plenty plenty
1: of people did.
0: Plenty, and they and I mean, still the do. Zune,
1: the Zune, every Ultra book. I mean, you know, all these things were worse. Right. They were.
0: Um, I I still have a Zune. And there, I, I'm sure there's some people—we're going to get a lot of Zune-related intros this week. I know. There's a lot of people out there who love that thing.
1: Um, who love Brown. They love Brown. <laughs> <fashion.
0: laughs> What was it? This squircle? There's <laughs> <laughs> a know. lot of ridiculous ideas there. Um, but anyway, but that's the floor, right? The, you know, that, that level of design, polish, balance is the floor.
1: Which is not to say it didn't take a, a colossal amount of work and imagination and guts and all the things.
0: Sure. But, but, it, to, to,
1: but because it caught on, because people appreciated that, it became the thing you chased. That's right.
0: Yeah. and And I think now instead of the thing you chase, it's – it's your starting point that that kind of design centered thinking is coming to you know all these little gadgets that we're talking about all these niche markets the question is where where's the next big swing and i think at the beginning of the show what we were talking about was that next big swing doesn't feel as balanced right so all this other thinking right. is it's going to make a bunch of other little things better but the the next big thing needs to retain some of the initial balance in order for it to actually be the next big thing.
1: Yep. Balance. Balance. Balance is key. Balance is key. We're for balance. um,
0: Unless it's headphone jacks, in which case, just put it back, (laughs) put it back on the other side. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, that is our show, I think. We'll be back next week.
1: In between, we're going to have a recount of the show, so (laughs) stay tuned for that. We're going to see
0: exactly how many there were, and it's actually going to go up 10%. It's really interesting how that works. What people are here for is really the political humor, I think. Uh, uh, I think so, yeah. There's going to be a
1: lot of that, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming for us. Oh, uh, we didn't talk about at Time Warner. But there was a big hearing. We have a lot of coverage uh, of that on the site. Really sharp questions for AT&T from uh, Congress, which is not what you usually expect. But anyway, go look at that on the site. That is one of those things. It's the future is coming and... The government's going to be involved because that combination creates an entirely new kind of media and tech company. But anyway, go look at that I'm on against site. it.
1: Uh, I, can I just say I'm against it and then people can tweet at me? I'm,
0: I don't think it's a good idea at all. But
1: So we're both against
0: it. Uh, yeah, we're both against it. And tweet at us. Okay. I, I doubt very many of our listeners are super pro at and on this one. But if you are, tweet at us. And if, if you're not, tweet at us too. We, we love hearing it. I am sure, however, that we will talk about – that hearing tomorrow on The Vergecast. Cast. Uh, so listen to The Vergecast. It's also available on iTunes. I host that with one Mr. Dieter Bone, who you might know from this show. What's Tech? Mr. Chris Plant's wonderful show has reached its series finale. We're, we're, we're taking that one off the air for a while. He's, he's becoming our culture editor here at The Verge. He's got a lot of responsibilities. We're thinking about other things to do with that show. It might come back, but listen to the series finale. It's a great show. Good run. Uh, I think Chris had a lot of fun doing it. Lauren Good.
1: I loved it, yeah.
0: Lauren Good hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask over on the Recode side. That's a great show. Peter Kafka hosts Recode Media, which is one of my very favorites. And Kara Swisher hosts Recode Decode on the Recode side. So go on iTunes, find all the shows, give them five stars. Uh, make the Verge Recode podcast network the number one in your city, state, and region I don't know what I'm saying at this point, <laughs> and we you will. You be- don't. You
1: actually don't. I don't. It's I just at say, the end. No. I'm just
0: like trying to get it all out and trying to make it interesting. Uh, Walt and I love your feedback. I'm at Reckless. Walt is at Walt Mossberg. Uh, talk to us. We love it so much and send us more intros. And that is it. We'll be back next week. Thanks a lot, Walt.
1: Thanks a lot, Neil.